0: As you consider the holidays, as you consider Christmas, what does the Christmas season make you feel? What does it make you experience emotionally? Think back over the last few weeks, consider this coming weekend and tomorrow and all the experiences you expect you will feel over the coming days. It's easy to imagine Christmas as this idyllic time of simplicity, peace, happiness, Family, joy, togetherness, the list could go on and on. Or as Bob Lapine, in his book, The Four Emotions of Christmas puts it, each year we expect the Christmas season to work some kind of magic on us. We go to events that will help create a Christmas spirit. We harbor some hope that whatever hardships or heartaches we've been through this year, the light and carols and decorations and traditions will somehow realign our hearts and bring peace on earth, goodwill to men, and joy to the world. Or at least we hope Maybe they will bring peace and joy to us. But unfortunately, reality rarely seems to match up with this Christmas card version of the holidays, does it not? Instead, for many of us, it brings anxiety. Think of the family disagreements, the working out of travel plans, the meal preparation, and our taxed schedules and limited budgets, or potentially exceeded budgets. For others, this season means disappointment. Someone in the household is sick or the weather is bad and we're not able to get together with family. Kids are upset. The meal is overcooked. The list could go on and on. And we find ourselves disappointed with the way the holidays turn out. Or even more potent might be the sadness and grief that others feel at this holiday season. The loss of a loved one the celebration of what might be the final Christmas together, the empty house for those whose children have moved out and for the first time aren't going to be back together for Christmas, or a current illness that you find yourself facing? Do you sympathize with any of these feelings, the anxiety, the disappointment, the sadness that often comes along with the holidays as well? Bob Lapine goes on, he says, Christmas joys are deeper than other joys, so are Christmas sorrows and Christmas stresses. The season that promises hope and peace and joy can often bring very different, very difficult emotions. These emotions can overwhelm us. We find ourselves wondering why the magic doesn't seem to be working for us this year. We wonder why, our feeling, or why we are feeling an emptiness instead of a peace and joy and hope. And add to that the fact that many of us feel a sense of shame or embarrassment, even confusion, because everyone else around us appears to be having a wonderful time and feeling it more than we are. And we can even find ourselves angry at the fact that they feel something that we can't genuinely say we do. Would it shock you to hear that these sort of emotions have always been a part of Christmas? Would it surprise you to find out that in some ways these emotions are more fundamental to the holiday than our blissful, surface-level sentimentality that we normally ascribe to the day. Let me show you what I mean. Look at Isaiah chapter 9. Most of us are familiar with this section because it speaks to a passage that's familiar to us. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." The previous to this section, in verse 2, Isaiah writes these words, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Are you familiar with when these words were penned? Are you familiar with the circumstances that Isaiah was writing in? A situation where the people of Judah were under imminent attack from the Assyrian enemies they had. Where... The northern tribes were being harassed by this perennial enemy of Israel, and the southern tribes were fearful that they would even exist a year from the time this was written. They were fearing this imminent Assyrian invasion. And to add injury to insult, the whole reason they were in this situation was because of their own sin and rebellion against God. The fact that they had chosen to rebel against God and to go their own way was the reason they found themselves in a situation, as the author describes it, walking in darkness, dwelling in a land of deep darkness. And imagine the prophet Isaiah. Imagine what he's feeling and experiencing. Having given this prophecy to the people of Judah, he goes on to watch these northern ten tribes decimated, to never be a nation again. He then experiences Judah's ongoing rebellion against God, and he sees his own nation taking the same trajectory as the Northern Ten Tribes. Imagine how Isaiah felt remembering this prophecy. Sadness over Israel's destruction. Those brothers, those other tribes that he loved and knew. Disappointment over Judah's own rejection of God and their rebellion against him. Anxiety over the coming demise of the nation that he lived in and loved. And it is in this context that these words are written. The promise of Christ's coming was necessitated by the sadness and disappointment and anxiety that come with our sin. It's easy to forget at a time like the holidays, that the very reason we celebrate Christ's coming is because of the depravity and darkness of sin that entered the world in Genesis 3. To remind ourselves of the fact that God intended for us to live a life not of despair, but of joy. A life not of anxiety, but of peace. A life not of grief and death, but life. But every single one of us, along with Adam and Eve, rebelled against God with Adam and Eve in the garden. We rejected God's authority and we did our own thing. And as a result, we live in a world of darkness. We walk in a land of deep darkness. But darkness of sin demands the sending of a light. The darkness of the environment of the world demanded a light come into that environment. Think of the lighting of a candle when the power's out. One small candle, one small light, that when all the lights are on or the daylight is shining, number one, you have no need for it, but number two, you would hardly notice the candle. As opposed to in the middle of the winter when our power goes out and the lights all go off and we're scrambling around for that flashlight somebody said we needed to keep a hold of. My kids have gotten rid of all the batteries on all my flashlights, so we're resorting to candles when this happens in my household. And you light that candle and the light illuminates the situation. The light reveals the condition of the darkness. And Matthew clearly saw these words fulfilled in the arrival of Jesus Christ as he quotes them in Matthew chapter 4 as Jesus begins his public ministry. John picks up this same theme in the section we've already read. Flip to the right in your Bibles to John chapter 1. And in addition to this promise of light coming in, we get the arrival of this light. We've already read most of this passage, but I want to reread a few of these verses. First, verses one through five of John chapter one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Here, John is referring to Christ as the word, Jesus as the son of God and the word. He goes on in verse four, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Consider the significance of these words, of what John is trying to communicate to the people. Also take a moment and consider the arrival of Jesus and what that meant at this moment. We have a tendency to kind of gloss over what the situation would have been in the first century and those that lived out this Christmas story that we've read about in Luke chapter two. Think about the shepherds. Think about them as real people and the disappointment they must have experienced having seen this light, experienced these angels, gone in and seen Jesus laying in the manger, gone out telling everyone about it and what does Luke two say? The people pondered it. And I have a tendency to think that the people didn't respond very well to it because when Jesus begins his public ministry 30 years later, There's not a group of people waiting to follow Jesus. It seems to me it's very likely that the shepherds were largely disregarded. They were largely ignored, as they were consistently in that culture. Or take some time to consider the wise men and their two-and-a-half, three-year journey to see the baby Jesus. Do you think there's a possibility that over that course of time, over those days, that they might have filled a sense of anxiety for what they would see when they finally arrived? I know I would have. Saying, I sure hope I'm getting this right. I sure hope we read this correctly. And then they arrived at Herod and they said, where's the king? And he says, there's no king. Or even as we read that song about fear not, right? Mary and Joseph. And what this announcement of this news must have done to the trajectory of their lives. The sadness they must have felt over the future that they thought they had going sideways. And we read in the Gospels later on that people refer to Jesus as the son of the carpenter, the son of Joseph. So clearly the culture didn't buy the narrative that Jesus was born of a virgin. Those must have been some fun dinner table conversations for Joseph and Mary. Disappointment, anxiety, sadness. Or how about Christ himself? In verses 9 through 13 of John chapter 1, we read this, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Think about that. Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God, love incarnate, came to his own people and was rejected. He was literally the light. He was the solution to the darkness that they were experiencing, but they didn't even notice. The world missed him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. The irony of this story is that Christ's actual arrival was not devoid of pain either. It brought disappointment. It brought anxiety, it brought sadness to many, and ultimately it meant rejection, torture, and the cross for Christ. And that's because the brightness of light reveals the condition of darkness. When Christ came as the light, he as the light revealed the condition of the culture, the condition of people's hearts. It's kind of like if you've ever been in a cave. Have you ever been in one of those cave experiences where they turn off all the lights And you can't see your hand in front of your own face. For those of us that are claustrophobic or struggle with that sort of idea, those are really terrifying experiences. But then they light a light in the corner and instantly everything lights up, right? And all of a sudden, the reality of the situation becomes very apparent. The brightness of the light reveals the condition of the darkness. And the people looked at that light, they looked at Jesus Christ, and they said, I want nothing to do with that. And at this point, you're probably going, well, thank you, Brad, for that uplifting message. I really appreciate the pick-me-up for the holidays. And if that were all there was to the story, I would agree. It wouldn't be very happy, would it? But it's not. And in John chapter 3, John takes this reality and finishes the story. He completes the metaphor, if you will. He looks back to this reality of a promised light coming into the darkness He looks at the reality of Jesus Christ coming into a dark world and a dark culture, and he connects the dots and gives us this gift of light. I guarantee you, you're familiar with John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21, but let me read it anyway. And try to listen to it in light of everything we've been saying about Christ as the light. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You know, we all know John three sixteen, right? But John is writing these words in light of the Christmas story, in light of the coming of Christ, to complete the dots and help us see the very reason that we celebrate Christmas and the very reason that Christ came. The work of this light, the work this light did Jesus when he came to the earth was to illuminate the situation and to bring salvation for everyone who would believe in him. Last week, if you were with us, you know that we talked about the illuminating and guiding effects of light, like the sunrise coming up over the hill. Christ's arrival on the scene is exactly like that. It brings illumination. Christ's arrival exposes our sin. And we have a tendency to want to respond just the way that people do here. Hate the light because our works are evil. But the reason we celebrate this Christmas holiday is because of this text. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Right, And this is the judgment. The light comes into the world and the people love darkness rather than the light. But whoever does what is true comes to the light. Christ as the light, Christ's death, pays the penalty for our sins and that is what makes Christmas so significant that is what makes Christmas worth celebrating the fact that the light came into a dark situation the fact that the promise of the light was given in a hard situation the fact that sin has led to pain and darkness and death and anxiety and all number of things in this world but God didn't stand idly by and say good luck guys And if all that's true, then we're simply left to ask, how will I respond to the real significance of Christmas? What will I do in response to this reality? For those of us that are believers, it's easy to forget that Christ brings illumination at Christmas. Christmas isn't a call to shallow, surface-level sentimentality, trying to make ourselves feel the magic of the holiday. Ultimately, the trees aren't the point. The gifts aren't the point. The lights aren't the point. Any number of things that we sing about are not the point. They're not bad, but they're not the ultimate source of joy at Christmas. Christmas is a reminder that God sent Christ to experience our every pain and disappointment and sadness and to illuminate as the light our most significant need. The sin in each and every one of our hearts and our need for restoration with God. That is why we celebrate Christmas. Otherwise, it's just cheap sentimentality. It's just an attempt to make us all feel better while the weather is cold outside. True joy from Christmas comes not from all of the trappings that we put around it. True joy at Christmas comes from realizing the gift we have been given in the light, the Son of God. But Christmas is also intended to bring salvation. Christmas is about salvation. If you're an unbeliever and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, Christmas isn't simply about shallow love and everyone being nice to each other for a little while. I realize that's most of the hallmark movies you'll watch at this time of year. It's not necessarily a bad idea to think that this is a special time of year where we could all be nice to each other, except I beg the question, if we're not nice to each other the rest of the year, are we really that nice? It's not about shallow love and everyone being nice to each other. Christmas is a celebration of the radical love of God that through the death of one, all might be saved. We celebrate Christmas not as a special time to pretend like we're all more nice than we normally are, more loving than we normally are, but to celebrate the fact that there was one person who exemplified real love perfectly. True joy in the holiday of Christmas doesn't come from this cheap imitation of love, this shallow sentimentality. It comes when we recognize the fact that we have been given the opportunity to have relationship with God through Christ, the Son of God. And by placing our faith and our trust in Him for our salvation, we can experience a joy in the holidays regardless of what the circumstances do, regardless of the fights we have with our family, regardless of the disappointments, and regardless of the stresses. We can experience joy in the holidays by remembering the real point of the holidays, the salvation and the light that came through Jesus Christ. In John 8, verse 12, John would go on to tell this story. And I think this is so significant to us. In John 8, 12, he records Jesus' words saying this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Christmas is meant to bring us to a realization of just how dark our hearts and our world are and to come to the only light that is capable of saving the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Our true joy in the Christmas season is found in that light and what he's done for us. Let's pray. Father, here in this season, it's easy to lose sight of why we celebrate. It's easy to get wrapped up in both the joys and the challenges that go along with this holiday. The lights and the music and the activities and the gifts and the family, these are all good gifts from you, and there's nothing wrong with them. But they ultimately do not give us a deep, abiding joy. That joy is only found in Christ. So, Father, whether we came in here tonight excited about the holidays or whether we're anxious about the holidays and and dreading some of what's coming our way, I do pray that you would work in the hearts and the minds of everyone here, that you would give us a real abiding joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen.